to Say Sure of the Music Explorers podcast. I'm Elaine. As always, I'm Scoot Magoo. And uh, we are talking about uh, April album anniversaries because, um, you know, that's how we do. I, I think, I don't know, I, I, I think we've just kind of, I don't know about you, I, I, I think that there have been certain mainstays for us that I've gotten not sick of, but like, I, I think it's like other things seem more interesting hmm. in some respects. So like, you know, like we haven't done like an, like an album review uh, episode in a while. Uh, we haven't done an album anniversary in a while. We've been kind of behind on that. So we're, we're, we're kind of getting up to date in the next few weeks. And so we're talking about April albums today. Um, and we've got, I mean, I, I yeah yeah I mean I, I every week you know I, I every time we do this we I feel like we have a pretty good variety um <laughs> it's, it's kind of it's, it's kind of like our catchphrase with this episode <laughs> at, at this point um but I, I I think it's just interesting the amount of like sort of this span of time as well and I think mm-hmm. I don't know it's it's just you know it's just like one of those moments where like you you, you kind of you're kind of amazed that like, you know, just this much, not only this much music exists, but this much good music exists that like, you're able to have this huge span. Um, like, you know, I, 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 I think it's very easy to get caught up with like negative reviews and, you know, who likes this band, this band sucks, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, but let's just talk about some good stuff, you know, because there's a lot of it. Um, yeah. But yeah, so so I guess uh, I, we're going uh, chronologically here. So we're going to start off with uh, Brilliant Corners by Thelonious Monk, which um, for those who don't know this album very well, um, I think its biggest claim to fame is that the title track took like, I don't know, something like 20 takes, 13 takes, you know, like just like so many failed takes to get this one track right because it's just such a strange... Um, you know, written piece, um, you know, just kind of the rhythm of it and kind of like the feel of it is just so, I, I, it's not, it's not janky and it's not plodding, but it, it has this oddness that, I mean, is always a staple in a Thelonious Monk track, but is particularly um, difficult and obtuse here. Um, but it's full of these, you know, monkisms where like you get a lot of um, sort of like these singular moments that almost it almost feels like they, they they feel like, I don't know, like like let loose out of time in some ways. Uh, and I mean that like culturally, but also like compositionally, like there are just like certain, you know, um, like if you're familiar with Monk's um, songbook. You know, he he has these, you know, compositions that are just so. I mean, you know, people. I I think it's like it's kind of a cliche now to describe Monk as as idiosyncratic, um, but but just kind of like this this strangeness in this phrasing and sort of the way that he would, kind of, you know, play these pieces in relation to the rhythm section, um, that is just always fascinating and yeah, um, but. Yeah, so so this thing is I don't know came out in 1957, so it's 65 years old, and or it's over that now because we're in May. But um, I mean, this is one of my favorite Monk albums. Um, you know, I and I think, I mean, you know, Monk's always one of those jazz musicians that I think gets slept on, in in some respects, and in other ways, I feel like he gets too much attention i think i i think it's like sort of where you stand in relation in in like jazz in general um and sort of like whether like you're just dipping your toes in for the first time or whether you're just like you're already in like the deep end of the pool mm-hmm. um but anyway um i want to turn it over to you because i i don't know do you've i mean i i know you've listened to some monk right i mean i'm assuming so yeah, I forget which albums I have or had or have listened to. Uh, this was not one of them, but I am glad that I listened to it now because this was great. I mean, f- I mean, from the start, looking at the personnel, I mean, obviously, yeah. I love, love Sonny Rollins. You know, not really a hot take. 
Uh, love Max Roach, and especially loved the uh, the timpani on Bemsha Swing. I just feel like, um, I don't know, I, I just, I've always enjoyed, I think it's Percussion Bittersweet, um, the album of oh, his that yeah, I first yeah. got into, where just really showcasing great jazz drumming. I, I mean, I, I love, um, I love a nice jazz beat, I think just because I, I love the way that that defines the kind of the, I mean, literally the tempo, but just the, the mood of a jazz track for me. Um, mm. Also loved, um, in general, just Monk's piano style. I mean, I feel like especially um, kind of in this period of jazz, it, it's not especially, I mean, it, it fits in, but it's definitely quirky, definitely unique. And I appreciate the line he walks, where it definitely feels like you know, a golden age jazz, you know, bop album, the way he plays piano, but just a little bit off kilter, just a little bit, um, just distinct, unique, you know, I think that, yeah. Um, Is it just me or does Monk ever remind you of like, almost like a ragtime piano player? Yeah, totally. I could see that. Yeah. I I always get that feeling too. Um, yeah, it's definitely, it's, it's the way, yeah, the way he plays is for sure just such its own thing you know especially like when it comes to like you know he he'll he'll come out with like these like you know chords that are like dissonant but they aren't like 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 they feel strange to the ear but not not dissonant in the way that listening to like you know penderaksky like is is you know dissonant or you know um putting on i don't know like a um oh freaking like 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 pleiades dust or you know uh colored sands by gorgas you know like something like that where it's it's you know you you, you're using atonal you know notes or you know like what have you it's like his stuff is rooted in more traditional music theory i mean i'm using that word lightly but like it it feels like so out there at the same time it's yeah Mm -hmm. Uh, so what did you think of of the title track because i I don't I don't know about you, but like I've I don't know. They, they, there's something I love about Brilliant Corners, the track, um, because it's just so like that. It, it's weird, but like that, like it, it has like an earworm quality for me. Where like I like even when I was gearing up to even like look for this album on my shelf to listen to it this week in my head i'm just like you know <laughs> just it, it it has this this energy about it that i really like yeah absolutely i, I mean to me it, it brought to mind uh wayne shorter i think i think it's speak no evil where like the opening track on that album i mean i feel like you know if we're, if we're being real a lot of jazz from this era um, the tracks don't I mean there's not a ton of distinction between each track I mean definitely the whole experience is really enjoyable I feel like it's really important to put your foot I mean you know so what you know kind of blue really to grab the listener and I think that really they achieved it here um, totally I mean when I turned this on I, I knew that I was going to enjoy the record uh, it was interesting to read that it required over a dozen takes in the studio yeah. to to make the track um i'm glad <laughs> I mean, that it wasn't the it wasn't i'm not going to pretend or i'm not going to try to pronounce that but the second track in the album that's almost 14 minutes long that would have really sucked <laughs> if that, <laughs> that was the track they had to re-record over and over again um yeah, yeah. I, well I, i'm pretty sure brilliant corners is a pretty long track too if if i remember oh for sure correctly. i mean, I mean it, it's uh just looking now it's, it's almost eight minutes so not that that's short yeah. but um yeah, I totally totally get where you're coming from. Yeah, it, it's, I I I really like it. It's just yeah, but like to have that weird yeah like but when you say it reminds you of Wayne Shorter, what what do you mean by that? Oh, I just meant in terms of like to me the the kind of bop albums that I return to a lot. There's just something that there's one specific riff, there's one specific specific song. That's really catchy. When I think of "Speak No Evil," the the opening track on that album. Yeah, but I think like, uh, "Witch Hunt," if I remember right. Yeah, I just I remember like, and I think that's, you know, when I think of the jazz albums from this era, I return to it has 
typically the opening song or you know one of the earlier songs has some kind of riff or something that keeps me coming back because I think a lot of albums from this era obviously they're albums that do it much better than others but they conjure a similar vibe you know smoke filled room cigars you know whiskey um, and I, I like that vibe I like going to that headspace but in terms of this, the albums that I come to again and again there's specific motifs there's specific moments that I can remember I mean it's kind of the same way in in death metal I mean I mean you can get a similar vibe from any death metal album but you're trying to you know the albums that you come to a lot have a specific riff a specific section that you just keep coming back to and I, I totally think that they achieved that with uh, with a title track here yeah no, for sure I mean I, yeah I, I, I love this album I mean I, I really love uh, a lot of Monk's work um, you know I, I had like you know those those jazz collections that has like you know like 14 albums by a single artist within like four discs or whatever mm-hmm. um, and I like I loved like a lot of those because like you know there, there's some great albums on those but I it's just way too much to like have on one disc so I never listened to it but like what when I did put those on when I put those monk albums on I really enjoyed them um you know so I'm trying to buy a bunch of them back but I just you know I I I I have my I have my phases because you know like like monks so enjoyable to listen to but it's not something I am going to put on all the time like it, it's a very like special listen mm-hmm. for me um but I mean do you you have anything else you want to say before we kind of jump jump ship into into more jazz kind of No, oh, I think we covered it. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, yeah. So more jazz kind of. We're talking about um, hard normal the <laughs> hard normal daddy by Square Pusher, which is um, Tom Jenkinson's. Uh, I think it's his second album, and it's also his his debut studio album for Warp, um, which is you know, a, and I think probably regarded as as his best, or at least his his most popular. In, in some ways I, I think go people like go plastic a lot but um I don't know Hard Normal Daddy get gets a lot of a lot of attention I think because you know you have a track like uh like Cooper Street on it or I'm sorry Cooper's Cooper's World uh Beep Street is the uh their track but um I mean they, there are a lot of they, I don't know they I mean Square Pusher is such an interesting artist and I really like I find him so much more fascinating than Aphex Twin um, not not that it's a contest, but I I just like I I, I love the way Square Pusher like I, I I love the way he goes about making music mm-hmm. that you know he I, I if I remember right he is a, a formerly trained like jazz bassist um, and then he just got really into electronic music and uh, you know ends up making like fucking insane drum and bass music. Uh, that's heavily influenced by jazz, and uh, you really hear that a lot here. And it it feels very um, very like fusiony at times, like with sort of like the um, like a lot of like sort of the chord voicings that you know he kind of brings in things like that. Um, I feel like I'm talking so much about music theory today, <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I this is like, I mean, I I I really love this. I I I. I love Square Pusher in general. I have, I think, most of his albums. Um, but, you know, like, I, I don't know, there are a lot of really great deep cuts on this thing, too. Uh, Fat Controller is a favorite of mine. And, uh, I mean, it, it's just a fun... It's a fun listen. You know, it's it's just so... Like, you don't really know where it's going to go. Um, but that's not exactly... Li- like it's, But but it's not... Like, it doesn't feel random, if that makes sense. Like, it's... Mm-hmm. Like it feels much more like, like I don't know when you listen to like a Venetian Snares album like I like the only reason I know where the those albums or like where those tracks are going is because I've listened to them so many times but like they feel very chaotic whereas like it, it like it feels like a Square Pusher song has like sort of like a natural progression to it but it's there's still like this this kind of not so uh, vibe about it. <laughs> I, I don't I don't know if I can really if I'm describing that right, but um, no, I, I really like not so vibe. I, yeah, I want to I want to use that. Yeah, um, yeah, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm totally with you. 
this was by far um, the last album we're going to talk about, if I'm remembering my years correctly, which I think I am. It's the only one I've I've heard, and I actually own that one. Uh, the first three were new to me, and th- and this one was far and away my favorite. Um, yeah, I mean, if if I didn't, if I was just listening to this blind, I, I totally you know hadn't looked into the you know square pusher at all. I totally would have, um, in a way, kind of like proto fly low like not necessarily yeah, I could see that, that they approach electronic music or they, they approach making beats the exact same way but it just feels like they're both producers who love jazz and know their shit when it comes to jazz and that really bleeds through in their music in a really effective way um, yeah I was yeah. really like I really really enjoyed this album I thought it was kind of incredible how the way he balanced some pretty some pretty just straight up nice jazz ideas with some energetic yet not too in your face um because to me this i i I really no idea what this is going to sound like going into it um however i I knew that there's some overlap you know drum bass drill like, like those kind of genres with uh jungle which jungle is a genre i've had a little bit or at least in terms of how they approach the drums just to me it feels like whenever i listen to jungle music it sounds like i'm just listening to like an hour plus of toonami theme song over (laughs) and over again and i thought he really really balanced um using relatively similar drum patterns relatively you know kind of similar tempos but making it really interesting um it felt it felt like chill, chill jazz beats with energy, which just d- doesn't really make sense on paper. Yeah. But I just, I, I loved, I don't know, just the way that he struck a balance between a lot of seemingly disparate ideas and made something really, really catchy but thought provoking. Uh, I know the the whole, you know, the IDM tag is kind of, is kind of like intelligent dance music. Just sounds pretentious from the start. Yeah. But this really did feel like, like well thought out, well constructed, danceable electronic music i mean i, I you, thought this was... you ever you ever hear that they um i think it was reflex records which is richard d james's um old label that square Pusher released his first album on they, they they described um the style of music as brain dance initially i kind of like idm more i don't like yeah brain dance. I, <laughs> I i mean i i I, th- I think they're both problematic in their own ways um so i mean this is your first square pusher like anything right uh something tells me i listened to his newest album once when it came out but i don't i don't really remember it and i mean well this was 97 so we're talking almost like 30-ish or 25 30 years between releases so yeah this you know for all for all purposes this was my first foray into okay because yeah i mean it's, it's, it's a good it, it's a great album i mean i would really yeah. suggest checking out his debut uh feed me weird things i i really love that album that, that's probably my favorite of of his he has there's this track on it called um theme from ernest borgnine which i just like i'm obsessed with that track <laughs> i i just i love listening to that song um and it's weird because it, it's i like like i think um you know compared to this like that song is is very um you know it 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 stays to some very simplistic like structures and you know which is like it's a very um simple song you know whereas like i i feel like he explores a lot more here um and I mean, yeah, I, I'm, I'm totally with you. Just like sort of the way he he brings that kind of chill vibe into like drum and bass music is just really cool. And, you know, I, I think it's also really cool just how much variety there is in something like this, because, you know, like uh, like Amon Tobin, you know, got his, you know, start doing kind of like very similar things, you know, combining drum and bass music with jazz. But like they sound so different. Mm hmm. And it's it, it's really cool to see that like variety within such a niche genre, um, yeah. <laughs> this I I mean just yeah the, the the sort of chill vibe is really cool. I mean just you know uh, the opener Cooper's World is you know just such a perfect like encapsulation of that. They you've got like this 
this you know fusion vibe that you know wouldn't feel off place in like you know a Mahavishnu orchestra album mm. uh, and yet you know it it feels perfectly at home here as well and and he's able to just kind of like bring in these beats that don't feel yeah like like they they, they, they don't feel pummeling and like you know like, like you know as much as I love Venetian snares I mean you gotta admit that there's like that there's that chaos about it that is part of the appeal um whereas like you know jenkinson just just feel like it, it's very it's much more um controlled in a way um yeah much more balanced yeah yeah is it, it's i i it's such a great album uh I, I don't know if you remember this section there's i think it's on beep street where he um he he plays like these hats that increase in speed until they they just sound almost like a tone and then they just kind of like disappear in the reverb just kicks in from it uh i don't remember that specifically but that sounds like i think i remember the yeah i i want to say it's beeps it's it's definitely on the first half of the album um yeah i i I just like that's a moment that always sticks out to me because i find it just so cool like it's 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 such a like a cool thing that like if you play like a beat fast enough it actually will just come out as a tone which is like you 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 can try it out in like a garage band if you just open up garage band and just you know play it put like a drum sample and just play it like you know just just black midi it up mm-hmm. you know <laughs> you you you've got and it it will actually produce a tone you know after a while if you go fast enough so i don't know it, it's just like one of those little music theory like music uh, like a, a acoustic science thing that that just is so like mind-blowing to me but uh i i love sort of the, just these little nuances that he kind of brings in to this to this album um i mean I, if if i have a complaint i think it's like it's it's always a little long like he he makes pretty long albums um i mean this one's a little over an hour um you know he uh, what is it i think ultra visitor is like i don't know close to an hour and 10 minutes maybe even an hour and 20 um you know it 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 can just be a lot sometimes but it's it's still great um yeah also i mean for anybody interested because i i I think people have slept on this project a lot but uh show leader one is worth checking out um it's it's literally just uh square pusher basically just translating his songs to a live jazz format so he just hires a, a jazz band basically and he's playing bass and it is really cool to watch especially like you know watching the drummer take some of these beats away is like fucking nuts and they they, they do a great version of uh cooper's world that i i highly recommend so not nice. to mention that they they have the whole this whole like getup that like they have like uh they have like ho- like, like like sun hoods you know on <laughs> like cloaks but they have like these uh I don't know how to describe them they're like these face masks that are just like LED strips that just show uh you know shapes and whatnot on mm-hmm. them uh, it, it, it's it's I don't know I I, I really like it. It, it it's it's a cool vibe um yeah for sure uh, yeah yeah not to I, mean, I hate to end on a negative note but i do agree that if, like if there was one downside is that it was too it, it it just is too long like i feel like just like if it was one track shorter um it, it would i don't know i hate to say it didn't really affect it in the sense that i mean i still think it's a great album i would definitely buy this if i if i found it um but yeah i mean it just it struggled with the same issue you know i have with with jungle it definitely was not as not even close to as annoying as jungle music can be, but <laughs> it just like after a while having more or less kind of the same drum pattern over and over again and the, more or less the same vibe, it, it it definitely wore on you a little bit. But it didn't it didn't take away from the fact that it just it's a really really great album, really well written. Um, yeah. And unfortunately, it's one of those situations where it's like I, I can't name a single track I would take away, but I just feel like it needed to be like a track or two shorter. Yeah. No, I mean I. I, I, I love everything that's there, but yeah, it can like by the end of it, it's it, it's a lot for sure. Yeah. Um. You know, it, it's 
Yeah. I I I think it's it's funny. Like I I really like like the Amen break and you know like that those sort of drum and bass um you know isms that have have kind of you know become synonymous with the genre. But mm-hmm. I, you know I I I that that that's just my own thing. Um, because I, I I know you're not the biggest fan of that. Um. And I and I totally understand why. I it's just like there's something about the Amen break that I just really like. Um, but I, I definitely like even short bursts. But I think once I once I was like, hey, like what does this remind me of? And I was like, oh, this is like tsunami. Like for whatever reason, like now that <laughs> now that like just I can't get that out of my head. Where I'm like, holy shit, this is just like this. This just reminds me of the tsunami theme. Song. I, I I think it would uh, be like like playing like Echo the Dolphin for for Super Nintendo or whatever. Yeah. And and like you know loving the soundtrack, but then like listening to like a chip tune album on its own and being like yeah no, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, so I guess I, I unless you have anything else you want to say, uh, kind of move on or no I'm uh, I'm good yeah yeah okay uh so yeah next up is um Fear of a Blank Planet by Porcupine Tree which is uh 15 years old, uh in April. And it is, um, I don't know, I think a lot of people um, rank it among the band's best. Um, you know, they, they, you know. I, I mean, I, I'll say just up front, like, Porcupine Tree is one of those bands that, like, I, I have every one of their albums, um, and, and I like them all, but I can't really, like, it's difficult to choose one that's, like, oh, my favorite. Like, they, they, there are just so many pros and cons to each album. And they just all feel so slightly different that it's it's difficult to be to to kind of you know be a little more discerning about it. Um, I don't know if that's the right word, but mm-hmm. nonetheless, uh, this was actually I think the first Porcupine Tree album I listened to. Um, I, I think I got it out from the library in in our in our hometown actually, uh, but um, yeah, I this is a it's an interesting album um it's like supposedly kind of like a concept album it's like inspired by um Brady Sales's novel Lunar Park um and it's it's kind of like about like i guess technology uh and sort of its effect on sort of the younger generation um yeah i mean what we we can we can get to that in in a little bit cuz i definitely have some thoughts but mm-hmm. i mean overall they, there's there's a lot to like, like, you know, um, I think since in absentia, you know, Porcupine Tree was kind of on this, uh, like definitely on the heavier, more metal side of things. And you can definitely hear it a lot here, at least in the, uh, the title track and in, uh, the final track sleep together, uh, which I, I, is probably my favorite track, uh, probably my favorite Porcupine Tree song is sleep together. Like that was the song that like I listened to and I was like, wait, this is like, like, because for a long time, like, I really couldn't get, I didn't really get the band. Like it didn't really click with me. And it was listening to that song that I was like, okay, that like, that did it, you know? Um, but yeah, they, they, there's just, there's so much to love here that there's just it, like, I think, well, before, you know, they, they would sometimes kind of regurgitate a little bit of some like prog rock staple kind of sounds like you know kind of noodling stuff and synthesizer use and whatnot i i feel like there's a lot of variety in terms of like sort of like the 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 way they're structuring these songs the way they're performing these songs you know i'm thinking of like something like way out like way out of here where like it it doesn't it doesn't feel like a like a traditional like prog song it it feels very much like its own thing or you know something like um i think that my ashes you know is just like again you you don't really it it feels very idiosyncratic um also i i i mean before i turn it over to you i i think that there are some interesting things on this album just in terms of like little little things that maybe people don't immediately notice the um the track sentimental has a reference to the song trains in it um which is you know a porcupine like you know a fan favorite song for sure um but alex lifeson from rush is on the track anesthetize um, oh that's sick yeah and robert fripp from king crimson is on way out of here hey that's some nice yeah 
Nice Which, Black royalty. Yeah, I mean, well, so Wilson has like a um, sort of like a side job in a way as like a, a producer and you know someone who um, will remaster a lot of albums. So he he's done a lot of remasters of like King Crimson and and stuff like that. So I I, I think he he he's in the know, you know. <laughs> mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, I I kind of want to. What are you thinking here? Because I think you've you've listened to, if I remember right, you listened to In Absentia. Um, maybe maybe a couple other albums. I'm not totally sure. I think we did In Absentia for anniversary an album. Dare I forget? There's a little bit yeah. of a gap between the two. Um, maybe it's just you know where I am with my taste. I'm not really sure, but I actually enjoyed this more. I don't. I, I remember enjoying In Absentia, but for whatever reason, this clicked for me more and i think what's specifically interesting is just how many you know alt metal isms from this you know kind of modern alt metal bands i've heard listened to and enjoyed uh, really definitely took some influence from porcupine tree specifically um sermon comes to mind they, they released they're kind of one of those like oh we're mysterious nobody knows who we are blah 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 kind of things <laughs> But they released a really good record a few years ago that I enjoyed, and I, it, it kind of reminded me of the more melodic, atmospheric um, aspects of Tool sound. Um, no, okay, it was Porcupine Tree. Like just like listening, like like just as one one glaring example. Not that it's bad necessarily, but just it's so clear that this had a huge impact, and I, I can totally see why. Or I love the fact that it's. Um, just very well balanced. I know we've used that word a lot already, but it really <laughs> does. It feels like, you know, it's not too so- soft. Not that soft music is bad, but like it's not too soft. It's not too heavy. Not too. <laughs> it's, melod- it's a Goldilocks album. No, it really is. Like it yeah. just it feels like it's it's not too, um, like definitely has some progisms you'd expect from prog rock, but it's not too too dad so to speak. Um, yeah. You know, it's not like it really just. I feel like it. It, it everything you want. From a prog album, especially kind of in a, a modern context like this, um, it kind of offers it really well. Uh, and uh, I want to listen to more because I, I, for whatever reason, you know, I think I, I have a mental blocker just from back in the day when I was like, oh, I don't like prog rock, I don't like prog metal. Um, and now that I, those are genres I do like, just there are bands that I didn't check out back then that I'm like, ah, whatever, I don't like that. But of course, not really looking at it through my updated mindset because now that you know i mean these are they're probably two of their best albums you it's in absentia yeah and yeah so i mean kind of easy to say oh like i like their two best albums okay well that's a hot take but i definitely would like to listen to these albums a little bit more and um check out some of their other stuff yeah i mean I, uh deadwing is is uh like kind of like a fan favorite as well um, I think I want to say Mikhail Ackerfeld might be on it. I'm not totally sure. I remember reading something like that. Um, I mean, they 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 have a relationship for sure. Um, but that and um, so their most recent album, The Incident, um, is also really good too. And it's it's definitely The Incident is much more in the vein of Fear of a Blank Planet in that there's a lot more metal uh going on but um i think there's still like that kind of like like there's a very somber atmosphere about fear of a blank planet um like if there's like a certain coldness to it and i think that's very like purposeful um and you hear that a lot in the incident um you know and, and not to mention that that whole that album is is it's two discs and the first one is just one hour long song that was divided into like all these different like subtracks. Um yeah, just like, a great album too. But um yeah, I mean I I Fear of a Blank Planet was, was kind of like this was like the album that kind of that that really clicked it like for me with the band because I I mean I'd known about them for years. There was someone we went to high school with who was a huge fan and I was just I, I just really couldn't see it um at the time. But, you know, once I got into college, I really, really fell hard into Porcupine Tree. Um, yeah. I, I what, what do you think about the lyrics 
and sort of the whole concept thing going on in this album i can't say i dived into i mean in general i'm not a big lyrics guy as we've yeah. discussed but i'm interested to hear your take because i did not know that that was the kind of the inspiration for this yeah so i you know i i i love stephen wilson's music um i mean i i like i i own every porcupine tree album um I love the Raven that refused to sing, which is I think his third solo album. Uh, I mean, he he's just an amazing musician. But I mean, when it comes to like you know having like quote unquote themes, like it it, it can it's it's kind of cringy in a way. I, I I find it kind of awkward, especially like um you know with an album like this where like you know like if there are some lines off of the uh title track that kind of rankled me a little bit uh and like nod me a little bit you know just um just the whole like you know oh technology is bad like it like it, it feels kind of like ludite in its in its way and like like you know it like it, it's it, it often just feels like oh Stephen wilson has something to say and like all of those words are capitalized you know <laughs> it's just it, it it feels very serious and um i just find it to be kind of annoying you know like the, you remember with um you remember the rollout for his his latest solo album that's what uh, yeah because I, I i can't say i dove too much in the lyrics for this but just in the newest one yeah it kind of it pretty much embodies exactly what you're talking about and, and yeah again not, not saying especially not that Stephen wilson is is you know underground by any means but he's still a relatively small musician in the big you know like he's yeah. not Dua Lipa so it's for many reasons uh but anyway um yeah it was crazy I was super anti-consumer themed and then he had insanely expensive pre-order packages and it's like you see this right like you, you yeah. understand why everyone's critiquing I, you right I, I remember there. <laughs> I remember there being like some like like maybe some of it was going to charity. I don't I don't totally remember, but but I mean like I I think it's more like the heavy handedness of all of of all of that that really gets to me. Like it you know it, it, I don't know if you remember the um the album cover for for that specific album, uh, for the Future Bites, but it's oh, it's like yeah. it, it's okay. a still from this documentary that has this um, I think it's a mother and her child on like a um on one of those like mall um are you know like um rideable animals um like one of those things and it's it's like you know it, the whole thing just reeks of like entitlement mm-hmm. and like the, like that's the point but it's just like it's so on the nose like and it it's it just it's it, it's like like again it, it's just like okay all right guys steven wilson has something to say okay let's <laughs> let him say it i i mean i i i feel like i i give him a bad rap because i i think there are times that i really love some of his lyrics um but you know a lot of the time when it when it comes to stuff like this it, it just feels like you know i think we talked about this last week that like you know he it, it's almost like he cares more about what he's saying rather than how he's saying it um you know it, yeah so i mean it, it like this is very much a um you know uh, like a nitpick for me because it, it's not like it, it really doesn't uh affect my enjoyment of the album it's just something like i think about from time to time when something like that you know comes on you know um you know i i think it's a little less obvious when it comes to you know earlier porcupine tree and stuff like that but i think near the, near the end it, it definitely felt a little heavy-handed at times but you know it, it's still just musically it's just so enjoyable I, I i really just love the project a lot and uh i'm morbidly curious about the new album when it comes out i think is it next month or the month after um, yeah i forgot about that I think, yeah i think it's coming up pretty soon i yeah, forgot that it was dropping anything at all this year I yeah totally, I, totally it's uh it's, it's june 24th yeah, which I mean, I did not see it coming at all, but um, still, you know, we'll we'll, we'll see how it goes. <laughs> so, um, you want to talk about our um, our final album today? Yeah, let's yeah, do it. Uh, yeah. So this is um, 
starves the lid uh, and their refinement of the decline, um, which came out the same year as uh, Fear of a Blank Planet. It's 15 years old uh, this in, in April. Um, and this is like their most recent album. So it's been 15 years since we've had, you know, uh, a Stars of the Lid album. Uh, even though the band is technically together still, they're just kind of they're doing their own thing. But um, yeah, this is I, this is actually our longest album on um, that that we're covering today. At I think it's uh, two hour, well, like just over two hours long, mm-hmm. uh, which is just a lot to take in. Uh, but unfortunately, like I, I I think the kind of ambient music that Stars of Lid makes it, it really lends itself to you know not being too intensely cerebral. Um, or at least like not like overtly, so like it's it's not like it's it's begging you to come and really pay attention. Like it, it definitely feels much more comfortable in that Brian you know definition of ambient music. Whereas like I, I think there are some ambient artists like uh, like Tim Hecker who I I, I think I I feel like you get a little more reward from more active like like listening whereas like i i feel like stars of the lid on the whole is just so minimal in their composition you know like that it it's it feels like it's it's kind of meant to kind of chill to as well as enjoy um, yeah absolutely uh i was a little surprised because i actually own this on cd i think I, I just found it in person i was like oh sick and then i bought it uh, I always thought that this was kind of decidedly their second best album behind was it the Tired Sounds? Yeah, and Stars of the Lid. Uh, actually, pretty neck and neck. I think I think they're both, they're, they're both really great, both really yeah. hi- highly regarded, and and I've you know listened to and enjoyed both. Um, yeah, I, I mean this is this is gorgeous stuff. I mean it's definitely you want to buckle in. <laughs> there's a there's a lot to unpack, but it, it's it's beautiful. I think what I like is that, not to, I mean, speaking of being pretentious, but it's mm-hmm. almost like celestial ambient yeah. in a way, because it's not, like, I feel like, sure, you could call it space ambient, but I don't know if it truly fits that build specifically, or at it, least it's you not. Know, it, it's interesting that you use that term, though, because uh, the first track, Dung Titled, is, uh, like, whenever I hear that, it reminds me of, like, kind of what I imagine would play when the astronauts are walking the scaffolding into the space shuttle hmm. like I, I don't know why like like you know how that the, they have that um they always have that in movies when they they enter the space shuttle like that they, they they slow it down i don't know if that's from armageddon and they're just copying that all the time but i always see that of like you know these three astronauts kind of like walking the scaffolding into the space shuttle mm-hmm. and it's just always like slow-mo but I, I I imagine this song playing, you know, it, and it just has that sound to it. Um, it also it's it's funny that you bring up sort of sort of the description of these sounds because I I think I I get a lot of thoughts about you know sort sort of like certain feelings that that come up with uh, Stars of the Lid in in this album in particular that like I was trying to put it into words. Um, and I, I decided it was, it seems like it, it spans the gamut between being somber and cautiously optimistic. Mm, I like that. Yeah. Cause like it, it, you know, but there are moments where it, it sounds much more like major key kind of more positive. Um, but it, 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 there's kind of like this uncanniness about it when it shows up like uh like something like, like the final track, uh, December hunting for vegetarian fuck face, which is. One of my favorite track titles ever, um, but it, it 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 has this very like, you know, happy, weirdly happy vibe, and and it it, it again like it cautiously optimistic is the right word here because it just feels like, like 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 it feels like you're expecting it to kind of like plunge back into like that melancholy again. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it, it's it's really interesting. Just yeah, sort of the atmosphere that they're able to conjure with their music. Yeah, for sure, and I think I think it definitely fits that 
Absolutely. Um, I think the, the, the only reason I made that, that distinction is because, you know, I, when I think of space ambient, I think of Tangerine Dream. Yeah. Or, you know. Like a Steve Roach. Yeah, Steve Roach, exactly. So I absolutely think that it fits. Um, I just Although, think... I, I will say, like, you know, Stars of the Lid always sounded, like, especially, like, with their last two albums, sounded more like Steve Reich than Steve Roach mm-hmm. to me. But I, I, sorry, I, I was interrupting. Um, yeah, and I think that's, uh, I think that's cool that um, it talks about, or that they use kind of organic instrumentation for like the mm. bass. I think that might be one of the reasons it resonated with me, similar to Tim Hecker, is I kind of like um, it doesn't just feel like, uh, not that there aren't albums produced this way that I enjoy it, but just someone you know was kind of pressing you know a few synth chords and then kind of elongating them mm-hmm. i kind of like that it's somewhat again not, there's anything wrong with that but i do kind of like the fact that it's um in a way almost like modern classical or modern classical adjacent which is cool. yeah like the, the, there's like an organic quality to it yeah exactly i i, I was thinking I, I was comparing it to reich more in in terms of like um sort of how minimal it is hmm. yeah um you know it, it like it feels like it's it's like there's a lot of space on a Stars of the Lid album and they only like embody like a very small part of it mm-hmm. and, and it just like they, they kind of let the rest of it just kind of stay there because it doesn't need to be any bigger than it already is yeah um, I could totally see that Yeah, have you listened to any of their older albums by chance like before Tire Sounds no, I, I think we've talked about this before, that sometimes it's almost... I think you bring, you brought it up a lot with uh, uh, A Love Supreme, that sometimes when, like, a single album is championed so much, it just, it, like, people don't really go back to their back catalog. They kind of fixate mm. on those specific releases. And I say that to say I'm guilty of that with Stars of the Lid, is that, I you know, I own, you know, the album we're talking about now, you know, uh, the Tired Songs, I've listened to that a few times... Uh, I've never, I never really thought of going back to their old stuff because it just feels like everyone unanimously agrees um, that you know their their final two albums are their best two albums. Um, yeah, I mean they're good. I mean you know I, I think similar to Porcupine Tree, I find it difficult to like pick one I love the most, but they their older albums are really interesting um, as well. They're they're they sound much more in like a dark ambient sort of vein. Um, but they're worth checking out. Um, there's there's this album that they call I think it's like uh, at Astra Peraspera, if I remember right, uh, that they did in collaboration with uh, this painter, who was like a big fan of theirs, and apparently like he painted the album cover while listening to like the album itself. Or in and like they sample him, you know, like like that there are sounds of him painting in it. Hmm. Um, and it, it's it's a really interesting album, you know, that I think gets overlooked a little bit. And um, I think the other one was what um, I can't remember the exact name of it, but, it, but it's, it's like the desire for well, the the aquatic desire versus something like that. It, it was like the, the you know like they they have a lot of bizarre names for their tracks and their you know album titles. Um, that. But that was really good too. Is definitely still more in like a dark ambient sort of thing. It, okay, it's called um, gravitational pull versus the desire for an aquatic life. <laughs> but but yeah, so they, there are um, they they have a, a number of albums you know um, before this that are are really worth checking out. I I actually own every Stars of the Lid album. Oh. <laughs> uh, I don't like they're another band. I'm like I don't know why, like, but like I I just love having like some really good ambient to listen to, um, and they are just they are it for sure. <laughs> but yeah, and I think to go back to your kind of the interesting song title, I feel like when you you know your compositions don't have lyrics and they're kind of along you know elongated compositions. That was a bad sentence. But you get what I mean. Yeah. Like I, I feel like you want to have a uh, thanks for agreeing it was a bad sentence uh, but you uh, <laughs> you have to uh, you have to have some fun 
Like I, I think it's funny. Like the the, the weird track titles. I I, I love the weird track yeah. titles. I know I mean, it's like a minor detail, but it's like oh that, that's fun. Like you're talking I, about these beautiful ambient compositions, and it's just like just the, the the just to name your track December hunting for vegetarian fuckface is is just is just perfect. <laughs> like. <laughs> Like that, that that's that, that's just like the zenith of human accomplishment <laughs> in, the, yeah. in this vein, you know. <laughs> like I, I genuinely enjoy it. Like I, it, it is really nice to see because I, I think like, I think ambient music can can turn very self serious very quickly, like maybe more than any other genre except for like, more like quote unquote like art music. Um. And and just it, it's nice to just see like okay someone's not like you know like going on and on about this you know about something or like you know like even even though like Tim Hecker isn't you know um, I I I don't think he's very you know overt about the concepts around his album you know like there is this self seriousness about his music that I often get from from it. That, that that can be a little um not not jarring but you know like it, sometimes it, it just like i i think there's there's doing serious work and there's taking yourself seriously mm-hmm. and the two uh can be one of the same but they often aren't uh and th- th- that's just that's just my opinion though yeah yeah um yeah i i i love me some stars and it was really nice to to get back to listening to them again because it's been a while um yeah it was it was just it was a good it was a good listen so yeah absolutely yeah um so i guess you want to uh you want to talk about albums of the week yeah and per usual i have a little bit of a story all right um so we just started watching atlanta Okay. show with yeah. Lover. Uh, just finished the first season this weekend and really like it. I think it's it's uh, really strikes the balance between comedy and drama uh, really well. Really enjoying it. Did, uh, in, did, did they come out with a new season? Like uh, I think they, yeah. Recently? The new episodes are coming. I think they're wrapping up this month. So okay. by, by the time we get to season three, you know, all the episodes will be live. Um, <clears throat> in the... I think of the second episode or third, one of the first episodes um the rap group migos were guest stars uh just as i think they were just drug dealers like it wasn't like it wasn't like migos was guest starring it's just they were playing characters in the show no, it's, it, it's all about the culture you know yeah <laughs> and i like i said oh i think that's quavo and then laura and i were talking you know about who they were and like what made them famous and uh i i mentioned how they you know they popularized the, the triplet flow, or at least they're known for the triplet flow. And of course, Lauren was like, what's the triplet flow? She didn't say it like that, but <laughs> like, for dramatic effect, I was saying it like that. So we watched a Vox video I watched a while back. Yeah, about, that, that, that's a great is, video. Yeah, they, they do. All the, all their music breakdowns are really, I think yeah. were, especially with hip-hop, they do a great job. Yeah, uh, for sure. And there were some hip-hop artists. I guess I was in the mood for new hip-hop, because as I was listening to some of the songs that they were referencing, I was like, man, I got to get into this. So I bought a couple of records from the artist they mentioned and one of them uh is a horrorcore classic and it is mystic styles by three six mafia uh okay. really well-known memphis uh rap group uh features one miss uh, gangsta boo who has one of my favorite rap features ever from run the, run the yes album. Uh, <laughs> what, what was the album called uh mystic yeah. styles okay with, with a z yeah. at the end oh uh, yeah um, be, be, because of course yeah why not um yeah, like it, it. It is. It's so interesting. It's it kind of in the same vein. This was definitely more pronounced, but in the same vein as Porcupine Tree, where you listen to an album from the past and you're like, "Oh shit!" Like that's where all the new artists got it from. Like <laughs> this is this was a very obviously insanely influential to trap music. Like you know, this came out in '95, and this this literally this is just what. This is definitely like the prototype to trap music. I was kind of taken aback. Um, I, for some reason, I thought Gangsta Boo was like way younger. No, like the yeah. I mean, the, this. Uh, I also thought they were more of a two thousands band, but yeah, this was their uh, was their debut album. I guess they released a uh, mixtape in ninety four, 
So they were around for like for some reason I thought they were like early two thousands, mid two mid two thousands, which is not not that it's that far off, but yeah, way back in ninety five they were throwing down triple flows, they were you know dropping trap bangers uh, before Migos were even you know even rhyming. So yeah, just a really fun. I, I didn't. It usually takes me a few listens to really dive into the lyrics, so I didn't really get the horrorcore elements that much. I think the beats were a little spooky, so mm-hmm. to speak. But, spooky. <laughs> yeah, but definitely got you know got some gangsta rap moments here and there. Some kind of because I, I think the whole theme of horrorcore is just like kind of pushing the violence to a cartoonish level. I, I didn't listen close enough to really pick that up, but mm-hmm. um, yeah, really, really, uh, really enjoyed it. Um, I also bought the oh, I forget what it's called. It's a uh, Bone, Bone Thugs and Harmony. I guess they okay. had beef. Yeah. Bone Thugs and Harmony and Three Six Mafia. Um, I mean, I, everybody has to at some point, right? I know. Yeah. Uh, I preferred uh, I preferred Three Six Mafia, uh, but I think they were both both really good. And I was I was I don't know. I really enjoyed that little trajectory to get to to get to that. <laughs> Where was... you, you you've never really like. Um... I don't know, like, what's your experience with, with Southern hip-hop, aside from that, like, in, like, I mean, I, I know you're, you like, outcast, but, like, I I don't really remember you, like, listening to a ton of, like, Southern hip-hop besides that. Yeah, I just think because it's kind of, uh, it's probably the most polarizing style of hip-hop in the sense that it's very, it's very beat-driven. Like, mm. even, even the little bit I was listening to like I, I loved the vibe of the album and yeah, the rapping was, was, was good, but I definitely, it's not like, it's not like any of the, the well-known East coast or even, even like the G funk. Um, like it just, the rapping wasn't the, the flows were a little bit simpler. The lyrics seemed a little bit simpler too. Um, you know, again, I haven't listened to it truly closely enough to make the definitive judgment like that, but I definitely enjoyed it. And I think that, in general, the reason I haven't dove into it sooner is is for that reason. Is that in general, it's kind of you know I, I have a I have an inner back you know backpacker so to speak. You know I definitely <laughs> uh, definitely appreciate more lyrical genres like that, and I just uh, yeah I just. I just am trying to open myself up to. You've got an inner mustache waxer. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I'm trying to open myself up that you know there's different reasons that hip hop can be good. You know, it doesn't doesn't have to be super lyrical. Um, and I mean, just just from a vibe perspective, like I'm I'm gonna put these in the in the car and and vibe the hell out um, <laughs> you know, once I once I commute again. Just just we... just just commute angry, you know. Yeah, just, just have some some trunk knocking beats. Um, <laughs> just yeah. pull up next to the next to the old lady driving to church or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> Yo, girl, <laughs> you but, ever listen to Bone Thugs? <laughs> <laughs> but I think that's my, uh, you know, I feel like that was always my hesitation with hip hop is like to say that I like a group, and I think that Three Six Mafia probably isn't classified because they like. I think they have, they have like an on on staff producer. That's a really nerdy way to say it in terms of hip hop. But you know what I mean. Like one of the members yeah. of the group produces. But it's just weird. Like when you say you like someone, and I feel like Drake's the best. Cause I really really like Drake. At one point, it came out that he has ghostwriters for his lyrics. His flows are like fine, but not especially amazing. Uh, he uses auto tune as you'd expect when he sings, and he doesn't produce his own beats. So it's like when you say you like Drake, it's like okay, but the guy whose name is on the album really didn't do did a very questionable proportional amount of work in relation to this song. I mean, I, I, at least it's him actually performing on it yeah. to some extent, you know, as opposed to like a DJ Khaled album. Yeah, I, I got a I got to argue, excuse me, with a friend about like I feel like when people hear that, it's like we're, I'm not saying DJ Khaled does literally nothing. It's just that like. When your name is on the album and you do as little as you do, I I, I think it's fair to criticize him a little bit. Yeah. The best, the best, oh my gosh, it was, uh, I think it was the Grammys. It was the Grammys, MTV Music Awards, one of those, whatever. He was, quote unquote, performing 
one of his songs with Rihanna and someone else, I forget. He literally was just... He wasn't even in the front of the stage. At least he had the courtesy to be in the back of the stage. Mm-hmm. He was just in the back corner of the stage. Like, not even, like, in front of a fake DJ booth. Just kind of jumping up and down periodically saying, We the best. Yeah. <laughs> DJ. Like, and it's like, so... so he, he, he's like his own hype man. <laughs> no, for real. It's like, he, his name's on the album, but he's the hype man. Like, <laughs> you know, like, Mighty Mighty Boston's had a dedicated hype man on their crew. But, like, he wasn't... You know, it was Mighty Mighty Boston was featuring whatever the hell his name was. Like, at least he had the courtesy to just be off to the side, you know, stoking the crowd. Not saying, hey, you know, I I, I did this. I was part yeah. of this. It's like, not not really, though. You know that. <laughs> like, you're aware <laughs> of that. You understand. Oh, that's funny. Oh, man. Um, So, yeah, but my, um, I, too, have a story for, for mine. Um, I'll, I'll try to keep mine a little short. But, um... So I think I mentioned last week that I, I bought an entire band's discography, and uh, I've got the last one in this week, and it's ISIS, uh, the nice. post metal band ISIS. Yeah, um, I, I think it was. <laughs> Thank you for clarifying. <laughs> yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah. You you know me collecting collecting my my video of, of horrible atrocities. You know that's I, 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 sorry, I, I, I keep those on my shelf. I really you know? don't want to cut in, but like it just I I thought it was absolutely amazing that that was a real thing that happened. That, like they got legit comments of, of like yeah old, old suburban white and you know, like... I, it, it was like it's it's like back in like 2001 when like uh it, i think anthrax had to deal with the same thing oh yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah it's it's so <laughs> it is kind of stupid but um nonetheless yeah so i uh specifically uh my album of the week is oceanic mm. um that was the last one i got in i was you know I'm very thankful for Bull Moose because I bought this off of Discogs. I bought all of them off of Discogs, and um, they were all in great condition, except for Oceanic, uh, which, coincidentally, I spent the most money for. Oh, that uh, stinks. Yeah, I, 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 it's, it, the guy listed it as near mint, which is like, okay, so there really aren't like any spots on it even, let alone scratches. This thing was covered in scratches. Nice. Um, Gotta love it. Yeah. I mean, it, it played fine. Um so I was like, yeah, you know, but I, I mean, like you're, you're paying for it. Like, yeah. I, oh yeah. And so, so I contacted him. I'm like, can you like give me like a partial discount or something, you know, it's a, or a partial refund. And so, you know, he, he did. So I was you know, happy about that. And so I just went to, I went to Bulma's the next day and just, uh, got it touched up and it was like super nice. To, like, oh, nice. And, 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 and like they, they fixed a lot of it. So that's great. Yeah, no, it was super cool, and, and just you know, so so I ended up listening to this thing twice <laughs> over the last few days, and uh, which is kind of rare for me, because um, I I mean I, I wanted to listen to all the albums in chronological order to kind of see where it went over time, because I I think I've listened to all of them, but it's been a while. It's been like at least five years, um, and yeah, I I just I really like I, I liked I like Oceanic a lot. I mean, you know, I I think. You know, Panopticon is is you know gets the most acclaim, um, but I think there's a lot to love about Oceanic, um, and just you know there's certain tracks on. I think it's Maritime is the one that I'm thinking of, that um, has this really interesting riff that you know and like just sort of, sort of the way that they they sort of brought in like more melodic elements, um, you know after Celestial was was really cool. And it was just really cool to see what they did with that and um yeah you know that's a great out they have an awesome discography i'm trying to by the way i tried to google them real quick and like terrorist isis came up first so there you go uh but i I, aaron turner terrorist (laughs) just proven you know (laughs) i i i forget um I don't know why they broke. Like I, I forget. I think I looked into it at one point, but I think they were on tour with Tool, or they just got off tour with. So, so like they were on a really, like pretty pretty unique upward trajectory for the type of band they are. And just for whatever reason, they just they just called it quits because they only released five five albums. Yeah, I think five, five. or six albums. Yeah, because uh, it's Celestial, Oceanic, Panopticon, In the Absence of Truth, and Wavering Radiant. Yeah, and all all are great. Obviously, all kind of slightly different. Um, yeah, you know, slightly different. Uh, different sounds. Yeah, slightly different, different takes, and 
it I don't know like I, I think in general Oceanic and Panopticon are, are neck and neck I, I think Oceanic kind of Oceanic walked so Panopticon could run or whatever, whatever yeah. the way that is like I, I think Panopticon is better but I think when you look at Celestial was a like a really good but unique sludge metal album that like it did more or less fit into that mold and I think Oceanic really took it in a very unique direction but I just I like the songs on Panopticon better so mm. but I think Oceanic is is I, great I, I really I remember loving In the Absence of Truth when uh, like years and years ago um, like I just felt like it was such a interesting like melodic album uh, I think it was because I was really into like Rosetta at the time and mm-hmm. you know like that that's like their bread and butter um yeah, I, I mean, they, they just, they have a really interesting discography for sure. It's, um, yeah. I mean, I, I also, I, to, uh, I, I think the reason that they uh, they split up was more because they were, like, they, they felt like they had kind of said what all they needed to say. Mm-hmm. Uh, that, that That's that's what they said anyway. And I think also just that, like, they kind of wanted, they, they'd rather leave on a high note than, you know, come out with an awful album so it's okay kind of like dillinger but before dillinger yeah and anime you can't i mean you can't tell someone how they're feeling what they think but you know i, I guess who knows i mean i i would have i would have used convert as an example of a band that like oh look they're still going they haven't released a dud yet and <laughs> whoops here we are so i guess i guess who's to say uh, yeah. to say that they wouldn't have uh, they wouldn't have I, a, a, a... I mean I I don't really think of Blood Moon as like a Converge album but I mean yeah I, I, I totally I, I know what you mean like, it, 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 it's, it's like it feels like more of like a collaboration um, you know it, it, I mean we talked about this in our review but like if, if Chelsea Wolf uh, hadn't been on it I, I don't think it would nearly be as uh, frustrating as as it is uh, but mm-hmm. you know, I, I I think like that that sort of argument is is kind of specious reasoning, so I I won't really like, you know, I'm not gonna die on that hill. <laughs> <laughs> um. Yeah. All right. Well, let's um, I guess we will will bring this to a close, and uh, so thanks for listening, and uh, we'll be back next week. Uh. And until then, uh, bye-bye. Bye.